When I went to college, that first year I took a study of the Bible as a literary text rather than a scriptural thing. And so it was an interesting way to read the Bible with plot and characters and storyline like that, right? And I started to have all these questions that I never realized I had before about God. So one weekend I come home from college and my parents always have bonfires at their house. And an old boyfriend from high school saw the fire, stopped by, and he and I are sitting off like in the distance chatting about college and what he's, you know, what courses he's taking and what courses I'm taking. We're talking about these courses and I'm telling him about all these questions, like these new questions I have about God. And like, I didn't realize the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and how different God seemed and blah, blah, blah. My aunt hears me across the way. She hears what I said and she stands up and she goes, how dare you question God? And I just saw red. <laughs> I just remember blacking out and seeing red. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Pounder, and this is the Third Chair Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring on people to share their faith stories. What was their life like before they met Christ? How did they meet Christ? And then what? how has God impacted their life ever since? And with me today is my co-host and friend, Brennan Loveless. Hey, Brennan, how are you? I'm doing great, dude. It's, I am excited to record another episode. We have got a great guest today. Cannot wait for you guys to meet her. Tom, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, but I'm going to throw it back to you really quick. Oh because I, again, okay. here's the question of the day. I, I, I like doing these questions. All right, let's do it. Just gets us, gets us started. Growing up. Did you have a favorite sports jersey that you would wear? It could be a professional one or it could be one of your youth league teams. Did you have a jersey that you would wear all the time you loved? Okay, one, I remember like first playing sports, like I was probably five years old and just having a team jersey made me feel like, you know, I was a professional athlete even yes. though I was five. Okay, but you go uh, a few years like later, I am in middle school and I changed uh, baseball teams and they had these legit jerseys made like where like the letters were like sewn on oh. for the team name, you know, like yeah. on the front. And then on the back, it was the first time to my knowledge. Uh, it was the first time that my last name was on the back of a jersey. That's and I thought that was amazing. And I was probably like, oh, I don't know, let's say seventh grade or something. What about you, man? Dude, that's awesome. That's actually really cool. Um, yeah, I grew growing up, I was big into football, big into baseball. But I remember the very first jersey, and I think my mom and dad got this for me for Christmas. It was a Dallas Cowboys jersey because oh, I love the Cowboys. But it was an Everson Walls jersey. It was number 24, and Everson Walls was an all-pro cornerback. I was just going to say, I don't know who that is, man, because <laughs> you sound really old right now. Oh, dude, I am old. I, I, but Everson Walls, this was in the early 80s, and it was the the thing I loved about the jersey is it, it was the Cowboys navy blue jersey. It wasn't their white jersey. It was their navy blue, and I, was, I wore that okay. thing all the time, especially when we went out and played football. I would always wear my Everson Walls jersey. I loved it. So it was the the color of the jersey was just like the least of the bad options <laughs> no. of the of the color of the jersey. It's the best jersey that the Cowboys have. I love that jersey. Okay. Maybe that the Cowboys have. Okay, let's get okay. to our guest. Yes, um, exactly. Tom, Tom, let's introduce oh, our guest. Okay, we're going to introduce our guest because uh, I first remember seeing her. Uh, when I was new to staff at New Life Christian Church and um, we would have different jersey days or different days that, you know, people would come dressed up as different things. And she was wearing a Green Bay Packers 
Jersey. All right, respect. And, yes, and I was like, okay, this girl's cool. I got to find out who she is. And so, after all these years, we've invited her onto the podcast. Her name is Amy Wagner. Just kidding. It's Amy Wagner. And I still think you said it wrong. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Amy, how do you say your last name? Because we just got into an argument about this with the three of us before we hit record. So Amy, say hello. Hello. How do you say your last name? My last name is just so hard. It is Wagoner. Three yeah. syllables. Say the name or say the word wagon and you will say it properly. Okay, everybody's gonna remember your name. However, let's all say it together. <laughs> Okay, ready? ready? One, One, two, two three. three. Wagner. Wagner. Yes, I said Okay, right. I thought we were saying her first name first. <laughs> oh, no. So, oh, my gosh. So we got thrown off, but we digress. Yes. <laughs> Let's get into this. Everybody, um, hope that you are listening to this right now and you just welcomed Amy. Amy, thank you so much. I know uh, just from our conversations, like over the years, you've got an amazing story of what God has done in your life. Um before you met Christ and then when you met him and then what he's been doing in your life since. And so we are very, very thankful that you are here and that you're going to share your story with us. So before we kind of really get into it, but it's kind of the preface of all this, tell us a little bit about you. Like, where did you grow up? Um, you, how did you come to the Northern Virginia area, which is where we are right now? This is where we all go to church. Um, and tell us a little bit about kind of that backstory that your first chair, like how, like what was your life like before you met Christ? Well, I grew up in the upper Northwest corner of Ohio, very last County before you hit Indiana or Michigan. Um, very rural area, um, I grew up, you know, not wearing shoes and running around in the woods, building forts with my cousin, Timothy. That's awesome. Who was my best friend. Um, <clears throat> my grandfather actually was a preacher, and my dad is the first of seven preacher's kids. So wow. I always had a relationship, if lack of a better word, with the church and with God. And I always knew he was there. I always knew he existed. I went to church all the time. Um, and I would say every time I went to my grandparents' house, that was also church. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> my grandfather was talking, talked about it all the time. Um, so I always knew about God. I always knew, had a relationship with God in one way, but the, the way that we'll probably get into in this conversation, the personal relationship with Jesus, I didn't have until later in life. Okay. You talk about your, your cousin, Timothy. Did you have any other brothers or sisters? I have one one younger sister who's almost five years younger than me, so she was um, mostly annoying when I was growing up. So I would play with my cousin Tim; he was closer in age. <laughs> Did he live near you? He guys? lived very yeah. He okay. lived very close, about four miles away. Gotcha. So um, when we talk about this first chair, like let's like start to move forward. Uh, thank you for your backstory, um, but. You know, where was that kind of discrepancy between, okay, I grew up in the church. I knew of God. We went to church all the time, heard about it in my grandparents' house. Okay, where did, like, did did you start to kind of find yourself moving away from the church at some point? If so, like, kind of where, where was that? So it's interesting because here at New Life, our church— um, you know, our lead pastor always talks about the thir the three chairs, you know, right. before, before, during, and after. And when he started talking about that, I'm like, I don't have a before. But 
the mm. more and more I thought about it, the more and more I realized that no matter if you grow up in the church or not, every person who grows up in the church already knowing about God has their period of time where they're questioning or they fall away or the the world gets to them. And I'm not unique. I had that same thing. Um, <clears throat> my story is a little bit interesting because at the age of 12, um, there was some sort of discrepancy or disagreement or falling away with my parents that we left the, we left the church we went to. And when you're in a rural area, you know, there's churches on every corner and everybody knows everybody. And so whatever fight that was, I don't even really know the details and I don't really care at this point, but we left that church and just didn't go back to another church because everyone knew us and it was just weird and awkward. Wow. Yeah. So, um, it's not like I had a falling away from God, but I just lost my teaching. Um, I don't remember my parents teaching me how to read the Bible myself or, you know, we didn't have our own Bible study or our own church on Sundays at that point. So um, when I went to college at age of 17, um, that first year I took a study of the Bible as a literary text rather than a scriptural thing. Okay. And so it was an interesting way to read the Bible with plot and characters and storyline and right. like that, right? And I started to have all these questions that I never realized I had before about God. And so this was this was the most amazing part. So one weekend I come home from college and my parents always have bonfires at their house. They're, they have this gi- ginormous property and we always have these huge family get-togethers. And an old boyfriend from high school saw the fire, stopped by, and he and I are sitting off like in the distance chatting about college and what he's, you know, what courses he's taking and what courses I'm taking. Okay, so wait a second. So this is like, <laughs> this is still Northwest Ohio. This is still Northwest so Ohio. Like, so he had nothing better to do. He's nothing driving down a do. road. He saw a fire yep. and was like, I'm going to pull over and yep. see who's he at the fire. I was home. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. So he knew, <laughs> yeah. he knew it was your family's I house. I know. When you grow up okay. in the country, yeah. like, that's just like stuff you you only know unless you live there. Well, <laughs> or, I mean, for guys like me, it's only if I listen to country music songs. And so, <laughs> okay, so, okay, so you're talking about that with him. Talking about that. I mean, we're, okay, you guys know me. I'm well, not quiet, yeah. but I thought well, I was being quiet. I mean, that wasn't the first thing I was going to say. Yeah, okay. right, right. <laughs> quiet would not be in the same sentence as my last name. Right, Brennan? Wagoner. Right, Correct. So we're talking about these courses and I'm telling him about all these questions, like these new questions I have about God. And like, I didn't realize the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and how different God seemed and blah, blah, blah. My aunt hears me across the way. She hears what I said and she stands up and she goes, how dare you question God? Mm. And I just saw red. <laughs> I just remember blacking out and seeing red. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I'm gonna. I want to talk about this for a quick second because I, I find this very fascinating. Quick question for you, real quick. Um, what's what college did you go to? I went to Bowling Green State University. Okay, so it's not a Christian college, <laughs> nope. and so you went and you found this course that was a Bible uh, Bible yep. literature course, and then I I went to a, a Catholic school my first year, and um, uh, and I took a Bible course. It was about who is Jesus. And that blew my mind in a really negative way, in a sense of like, I'm hearing all these things about Jesus and God that I had no idea about. And I am questioning, and this is something that I was right. really interested in. Mm-hmm. And I am questioning, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So 
I had to go and talk to someone about it. And I called a trusted friend of mine, who an, an older person who I really respected. But I, I, I love this little thing about how you are asking questions because I think it's really healthy to ask questions. If you were, you were learning stuff and you're like, oh, I never knew this. I need to keep on asking questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was never taught that you could ask questions. It mm. was just, this mm. is what it is and this is what we believe and carry on. So the whole, like, I'm a, I'm a researcher at heart. I always have been. My mom, my mom would tell you that the minute I came out, I was asking why. (laughs) (laughs) And that has carried through my whole life. I I question everything because I want to know why Mm -hmm. I want to know, you know, if I'm at the mechanic, I want the the guy to tell me, why is this broken? What does that mean? doesn't mean I know how to fix it, but I would like to know why. And so, so anyway. You, so you saw red. I saw red. <laughs> Going back to this story. May have blacked the, out. It wasn't the bonfire that made you see red. Certainly wasn't. And so then so then, where did that take you? So I, she was part of the, the whole leaving the church thing when I was 12. Mm. Um, she, was, she and my parents both collectively decided to leave. And so I stood up and I said, how dare you tell me that I can't question? If this mm. is what Christianity looks like, I don't want any part of it. And so from that day on, for the next 15 years, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with church or God mm. or religion or anything. Um, I had such a sour taste in my mouth. And, and me being me, I tried to also like, you know, conform to the world's view of all roads lead to Rome type of thing. You know, all, everything is God. Everything will lead you there. Just people do it differently. So yeah, just be a good person. Be a good person. You're going to find your way. Yeah. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, and, and I tried to prove that that was true, Yeah. actually, with some research. And oddly enough, I couldn't. Mm. So, well, if you're okay with this. So, yeah. so then you fast forward 15 years, you're mm-hmm. like, I'm looking into this other stuff, other religions, mm-hmm. uh, all roads lead to heaven, just be a good person, whatever. Yep. Then like, so then what happens? Like I, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Are we moving into the second chair yep, here? We sure are. Oh, okay. So yeah. So then tell us about that. 15 years pass. You're- 15 years pass. I do everything that society tells you to do, get a good job, you know, buy a house, all those things. Right. And, and, now I know God was a part of every step that I took. But mm. 15 years later, <clears throat> right around the end of 2014, 2015 era, um, I'm out here in Chantilly, Virginia. I have had my house for a couple years. Um, I'm doing the commute back and forth to DC. And I start feeling really strongly to get back into church. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Because I hadn't gone to church since the day that I said I wanted nothing to do with it. Wow. So it was an odd feeling, but- Wait, wait for real, you you had not stepped foot in a church nope. in over 15 years. Nope. You were just like, I'm done. Yep. Okay, it's also not surprising knowing you that you were just like, I'm committed to this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so I'm doing that. <laughs> yep. Okay, so wait a second. So you're having this strong feeling, yeah. I, I should go to a church. Yeah, and it was super weird because it came out of nowhere. Right. Um, at the time, I, I had no idea what was going on. Now How long I, did I you put that off before you stepped into a church? Oh, boy. I probably thought about it for several weeks, but um, okay. the feeling didn't go away. So I thought, okay, let's let's see what's going on here. Um, and so I, I checked out, you know, a couple churches in the area. I kind of really just didn't feel, you know, it was one of those things where I slunk in, 
listen to the sermon and slunk out, Mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't know what I was doing. I felt really uncomfortable. I didn't know what I was looking for, but nothing felt like home. Mm. Um, And then I remember it was the Christmas time, end of 2014. It was Christmas, New Year's. And I always go to Chicago for New Year's to visit some friends there. And I had this amazing conversation with my friend, Brandon, and he, we were walking the dogs in two feet of snow um, and we were chatting and he goes, so how long do you need to check out a church before you check out another one? Like you've been at this last one for six months and it's not doing it for you. Why are you still there? Mm. And I, I, it was almost like he gave me the permission to go to the next one. Okay. Because I'm one of those people that's like, commit, commit, you know, give it some time, give it right, some time. Right, right. And so I finally said, okay, so I come back from New Year's and I saw a, a yard sign with a New Life logo on it. And I was like, ooh, that's a cool logo. I'm a graphic designer, so I appreciate those things. Hey, I saw yeah, the logo yeah. and I'm like, I'll go check out that place. And it was a yard sign. It was a yard sign. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Okay, that's awesome. All I right. know. Yeah. Okay, so, so you're like, I'll go check out that place. They got a cool logo, might as well, because okay. I didn't know where else to go. And this was 2015? This was spring of 2015. Okay, so then... Yeah, so I walk into the front doors of New Life um, here, which is an old warehouse, and you walk in, and if you haven't been here before, the minute you walk into the doors, if you've never been here before, your eyes go up, Mm. and you're like, where am I? Yeah. But even though it was completely overwhelming to walk into this building, there was a huge sense of peace that fell over me, and I just knew I was home. Mm. I knew this was it. Wow. Not that it has to be more than this. Like that feeling, like, was there any thing to do with that? I mean, you just walked in the door. Nobody had even said hi to you. Nobody said hi. We didn't have a greeting to you at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and you were like, okay, this feels right. This feels right. Wow. I think it was because it was so weird. (laughs) I like weird. Okay, so real quick, if if you don't know this, you're listening, you're like, I have nowhere, I, no idea where Chantilly, Virginia is. You have no idea what New Life is. What our church did uh, back in 2011, even before that, is we purchased this old, uh, it was literally a Budweiser distribution center, and uh, it hadn't been that for years. It's a massive warehouse, and we converted it into what, through most of the week, is a sports complex, but we set up for church every single Sunday. So it's a sports complex and we own the building, but uh, on Sundays we still set up everything from coffee to chairs to sit in and and all of that. And so that's what Amy walked into was, what the heck is (laughs) this? This place looks crazy. Um, And yet you felt some sort of peace about that. Total peace. So then like, let's fast forward a little bit. Just, I mean, even if it's the same day, like, what happened after that? Well, the same day, I remember walking, finding my way to the gym, which is where we hold services. And I walk in, and <laughs> that day, there was a chick playing the drums, which I was like, okay, I like this place. Yeah. And I believe that was the same day there was a Rolling Stone song played from stage, oh, which okay. I totally appreciated because, <laughs> again, I'm I'm still, like, worldly, right? And so the fact that I hear a Rolling Stone song and a chick playing drums, I'm like, oh, I got to keep coming back here. Wow. I know. I can't remember what that song is, but I do vaguely remember playing that. It uh, was it was bananas. <laughs> yeah, anyways, keep going. So that's, like, what is what is yeah, this? Yeah, what is this? Okay. So, so, you know, Brett's sermon was really good. And for a year and a half, 
a year and a half after that, I kept just coming to church and leaving, coming to church and leaving. I met no one, basically talked to no one. I never, you know, I never volunteered or did anything. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of testing the waters. But I can't skip over the most important part of this. That same year, during that same spring time where I found new life, because I was only here for a couple months, um, I stumbled on, <laughs> stumbled, tripped, fell, whatever you want to call it. Face onto, planted. Yeah, face planted um, into uh, the opportunity to donate my kidney to a stranger. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. something that yeah. Tom and I we do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you stumble yeah, into those things yeah. all the yeah, time. We've right? donated lots of kidneys to people. <laughs> yeah. So how? Talk, let's talk about that because yeah, I don't a think big time out here. Yeah, 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 time yeah. out. Woo. I, I don't think I've. I mean, I've talked to you about it a little bit, but like, how did you actually stumble onto that? <laughs> yeah. So this is how I know God was totally pulling me back and totally coming after me because. This is not, there is no coincidences in this story at all. And I will try to make it brief, but if I were to tell you all of the details of this story, you guys would be like, yep, this is all God. Yeah. Um, at the same time, God was urging me back to go to church. Um, I had, so 10 years before that, I had met this guy, fledgling author named Brad Meltzer. I met him, um, when Laura Bush was first lady and she was doing those national book festivals on the mall, I met him during that. Um, my best friend at the time did his first mailing list, so she knew him. She babysit his kids. He was nobody at the time for th that long ago. But yeah. anyway, I knew of him. And so I would go to all of his book releases and stuff like that since I met him. So for 10 years, I knew this guy. I had seen on Facebook that he posted that he had been looking for a kidney for his old high school history teacher. Um, and I never saw the first post that he did. A year and a half later, he did a second one. They were still looking for the kidney and I saw that post. And so early of 2015, for some bananas reason, I was like, sure, I'll go get tested for this person I don't know. And I did, but I, for, I for completely forgot about it. Cause I was like, if they've been looking for a year, they're not gonna find it with me. Yeah. And so I find new life, go here for about two months, and I get a call from the hospital in Miami that, hey, by the way, you're the match. Wow. So oh, my goodness. All of that was happening at the same exact time, and, and <laughs> I don't know what I was doing, but I, I felt right. Everything felt right about it. I felt right to go get the test. I felt right, right when they called me, and, I, and when they called me and told me that, I was just like, okay, what's next? Yeah, okay, yeah. that's what I was going to ask. So, uh, like, because honestly, if I was thinking about this and I, and I would just randomly just, like, do something like this, if I got selected, my I think my heart would sink. Like, <laughs> oh, this is real now. Uh -huh. This is getting real. Uh -huh. So was that what you were feeling or were uh -huh. you, like, just complete peace? I almost dropped the phone. <laughs> yeah, I so not that. complete peace. But, Maybe surprise. But it wasn't and, fear. It was surprise. Because right, right. I was oh, like, you've got to be kidding me. I never once thought that it would be me. And of course, during, at the time, I don't see God in it yet. But looking back, I see him all over it. Um, and so I was, I was just like, okay, we're doing this. Tell me what to do next. It wasn't until after I coordinated with the hospital that I decided maybe I should, you know, call my sister or my parents, you know, tell them, hey, I'm oh, going to give an organ oh, away. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh, maybe. maybe. Hey, guys, there's like this major surgery I'm going to have. Hey, you know me. I'm committed. <laughs> I know. I'm committed. I commit yeah. real quickly. <laughs> okay, so you let them know. Um, 
anything else like leading up to that, like donating the kidney or like what happened? Because I'm I'm also curious, like, okay, so then what happened so they, yeah, so so I, I talked to my parents, um, especially, and, and a few friends and family or whatever, and almost every single person had their moment of, are you sure? Are you yeah. sure? Like, what if you need that kidney, like, later on in life? Like, what if you get cancer? What if you this? What if you that? And I remember responding each and every time saying, God's hand, God's got it in his hands. And I don't know why, but I just knew that God's like... He put me here. He gave me this opportunity. He's going to make sure that I'm okay later on if I need a kidney. You know, I, I didn't know how. I didn't know what the process was. This is the first time I've ever done it. But I just had so much peace and conviction that this was what I was supposed to do. And so you go down, you get every test known to man, um, make sure you're healthy, and then you schedule it. So I had that whole summer. I was already committed to a bunch of things in the summer. So I didn't donate until that August. But um, it was such an incredible experience, yeah. such an incredible experience to physically see the person you're donating to completely change color, let alone wow. just life breathed back into them right after a surgery like that. How, like, how did God work on you after that moment? Like you just said, and I don't want to like try to like preach a sermon and give some sort of illustration here, but like you're literally like this guy needed this so bad you literally see someone's whole like demeanor change mm -hmm. you get to meet them mm -hmm. and and then what happens after that yeah so um so the the woman i donated to and and her husband i got to meet them the the night before my, all of my testing um and they were just, I immediately fell in love with them. They are the most wonderful people, absolutely wonderful people. And so I felt really good about, you know, not that I wouldn't donate to a kidney, donate a kidney to someone who wasn't wonderful, but the, the, it made it a lot easier. Anyway, after the surgery, I look back on it and I remember feeling, looking back and seeing God was showing me with the nudging to go back to church, with the whole opportunity to donate the kidney, he was showing me just how present he's been in my life that 15 years that I wanted nothing to do with him. Mm. And through that experience, in an odd way, he showed me that I put my faith in people, not in him. Mm. And that's why I walked away. He's mm. been there the whole time. He's been, you know, he was there with my job, my house, all of those things. And I was, I had my eyes on the wrong stuff. So the veil starts to kind of come away a little bit where all of a sudden in that moment mm -hmm. with this, I'm by the way, let's just call it what it is. It's a major thing. Mm -hmm. Like you're giving an organ away, you're helping save somebody's life. And then in the midst of that, you're going, oh, wait a second. Like now I understand I've been putting, I'm going to put words in your mouth a little bit, so tell me if I'm wrong, but like you're putting people up on this pedestal of like, oh, what they say and how they act, mm -hmm. that's how I define who God is. Mm -hmm. And therefore I want nothing to do with him or his people, which we would call, uh, you know, the church, big C, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so what was that like kind of coming out of, Coming out of that, you realize that, th and then what? 
It was, I like to say this, Christians have a big PR problem. (laughs) (laughs) Christianity might have a big PR problem, but any faith really does. Um, We, we, if we put, if we look at God and judge God by how Christians act, we've got the wrong idea. We always will. We always will. Um, God is not changing. He's not, he never leaves us or forsakes us or goes anywhere, but people do. And so I realized through that whole thing that God never changed and I've, I judged him by people and that was just the wrong way to do it. And so I always, you know, when I always talk, when I talk about this kidney donation thing, I say that I may have saved her life, but in that way, God saved mine. Mm-hmm. He really did. That, that saved my life big time. This is powerful. And when you were talking about this, I re- one of the, the verse that came, came to me was Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great was the faithfulness God had for you, Amy, mm-hmm. all those years. And he was still... At New Life, we talk about God's in, up here in the upper story. We're living in the lower story, but God's always at work. And God, in that in that 15 years, God was always at work. You, from what I'm hearing, you were honestly asking questions. You were honestly seeking to understand more about God as you were learning stuff in college. And people, we, we all mess up. People turn you away from God, and mm-hmm. but God never turned away from you. Mm-hmm. God was still there. He was always loving you. He was always faithful, and he was always working in your life. And it's amazing to see, like it didn't just happen like that, like right. a year later. It was 15 years later. God is faithful. God is always at work and for our, for, for us mm-hmm. and for his glory. So I, I'm so encouraged to hear you say that. It, Amy, like one of the, so kind of, moving forward with this story. I know it's all one continuous story, right? Mm-hmm. As we talk about the the three chairs, in that moment you realize, oh my gosh, God's always been there. Some of these things now are making sense after 15 years of just totally trying to walk away from it and have nothing to do with church. However, I know I know before this happened, You've been in and out of new life, kind of sneaking your way in and out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so then, like, where do we go from there? Like, how this kind of goes into the third share of, okay, so then, then what happened? Yeah. How has God impacted your life since? Because I know you sent us an email with, like, this whole story, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um we probably don't have time to read that whole thing right now. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. But but let, but a, a couple of things that come to my mind is okay. So um, not necessarily in this order, but how how did you see God at work with those people that you got to know who you donated the kidney, right? Mm-hmm. But then what did God also continue to do in your life when you're like, well, I'm still going to new life because what people don't know listening to this, who have no idea who Amy is, <laughs> is that you're super involved at in new life. Like everybody knows you, loves you. Like you're a huge part of our church now. And, and I'm kind of spoiling it, but what was, what was the, what was that little light switch that all of a sudden was like, Oh, boom, like this just, this just clicked. 
Well, I think the kidney donation was the light switch because mm-hmm. up until then, I was perfectly happy just sneaking in and sneaking out and just getting my fill of the sermon. Um, I, I will say that it took me probably another nine to 10 months after that to even meet anyone because mm. I would fly in with my coffee, hear the sermon and fly out. I didn't have any reason to stop at the coffee or the kid zone or the, you know, any of the other right, areas right. that other people would naturally talk to other people. And, you know, I was also unsure of, okay, where do I go from here? Um, but the kidney donation actually reminded me that God was with me and God was had me in his hands 100%. And so what that did is allow me to relax a little bit and say, okay, I had the wrong idea of God. Now I need to learn. I need to learn and I need to go back into that space of asking questions because when I ask questions and when I search for truth, and that's the point I want to make, is that people like to... to make or break their faith story based on how they feel about God or what other people say about God. And I say all of that is bunk. Search for the truth because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so truth is very important to me. And so if I have questions, if something's not making sense or not ringing true, find the truth about it. Yeah, It's, it's available and the truth does really set you free. And it set me free to engage and get involved and give of myself and give and give and give because when you have the truth fueling what you do, it is like a unending fuel source. Yeah. And it fuels me to just let go and let God handle stuff. Let go and let God replenish my energy or my time or my money or my whatever I'm giving. I know that God's going to replenish it. Yeah. Well, and that puts a lot of trust, you know, in what God promises us that Mm -hmm. he will take care of you. Absolutely. You know, like in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is saying, why are you worrying about tomorrow? Like, do you, does your heavenly father not take care of like the birds of the air? And if he does that, then how much more does he care about you and he'll take care of your needs? I mean, he's not. Jesus, and some of us have probably heard this, but Jesus isn't saying, oh, okay, so you really want to win the lottery? Great, you're going to win the lottery. No, no, no. He promises to take care of your needs, though, when we are earnestly seeking him and following him. And so we're giving of our time or our talents or our treasure, and we're trying to be generous with that stuff because we know that it comes from God. Yeah. And so all the gifts, all the skills, all the talents we have, all the money we have financially, God has blessed us with that. So why wouldn't we be generous to say, God, I'm recognizing and I'm trying to worship you with this. So I believe that you've provided for me. I believe that you've been faithful and you've been with me through these 15 years that I was like forsaking you. And now, God, I want to know and I want to know you and who you are. So show me, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, and that's an important point. We don't want to lose that for people because a lot of people are trying to prove God exists or doesn't exist. Mm. All you have to do is say, God, if you're real, if this thing is real, show me. Yeah. Just ask that question because God seeks out people who want to know the answer to that. Yeah. He seeks them out. Yeah. And I would say back to the whole thing about, your, your 15 years, like, again, I think we ask God that question sometimes and we want an immediate response yeah. because we get immediate gratification. You know, we want to, and this is what I talk to my daughters about all the time is that 
you know, they're like, we're seeking God. We're seeking God. We're not necessarily always seeing stuff. I'm like, that's okay. Just keep seeking. God will show up. God does show up for you. And we have to be just obedient and seeking him and earnestly with our whole heart seeking him. And we will see him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Amy, uh, I know you've got more to that story of the kidney donation. Can you share some of that with us? I mean, like what happened since? Yeah, so it's been, it's 2023, right? I don't do math. I'm a graphic designer, guys. Um, <laughs> but I believe it's been eight years. <laughs> yep, 2015. Yep, yeah. yep. I do the math. Carry um, the one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been eight years, and um, my relationship with my recipient um, has is just awesome. Um, I absolutely adore her. She's healthy. I'm healthy. Um, and I'm just, every single time I hear, you know, oh, I had my labs done and they're perfect. Like it just, mm. it just makes me want to praise God even more because, um, there's lots of people who have different, different results with organ, you know, donation and transplant and all that. And he has just been so wonderfully sovereign over the whole process and he has kept her healthy and he's provided health for me too. And we both feel great. And so I love it because it gives me the opportunity to have a sustaining relationship with them. I mean, I didn't, a lot of people actually donate organs and they never meet their recipient or they never even get to talk to them. So I am hugely blessed that not only do I know her, but I, I get to talk to her anytime I want. She's wonderful. That's awesome. Um, it, it, was there anything there where, like, um, I, I maybe after the fact that, like, you're able to kind of speak into their lives and encourage them, you know, because of the the faith and, and yeah. the truth that you know? I mean, I know that she—they um, both have, have said things to me separately um, that I have a, a disposition or an outlook on life that is very encouraging and— I always relate it back to God. I mean, he is the reason that I, at the time I didn't know it, but he was the reason that I am the kind of person that I am, that I would give a kidney to someone I don't know. I, I attribute all of that to him. That has nothing to do with me because I'm not a person who would go to a doctor on the, you know, on a normal day, you know? So for yeah. me to, to pursue that, I know that was all God. And I was just trying to be obedient and, I'm just obedient every time I talk to them. You know, if God wants me to, to encourage them or say something to them or share something with them, it's always, always saying, yes, God. And, and then you take the reins with what I, what I do. And, you know, I, I, I hope our relationship um, stays strong and we are in each other's lives forever. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that with us. When, when you came back and, you know, you're all healed up and all of that, um, what changed about your, um, what, what changed at New Life or you coming to church, being a part of the church? Like, I know there's a story there as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so at some point I was like, okay, Amy, you, you're sneaking in here. It's been a year. You need to get off the fence. Right. And so I tried to figure out like, what's the best way to meet people? Cause I needed to make a friend. I needed this church thing to start, you know, being what it was supposed to be. And so I volunteered for, the very first thing I volunteered for was um, the Christmas shop. It was during Christmas and I was in the wrapping room and it was really hot in there. And these kids were just nutso coming in, you know, they're <laughs> so excited about their presents. 
and I met um, a woman named Yvonne and she and I just started talking and she was my first friend and I realized, okay, the way you meet people is to get in, get involved and give of yourself, whether that is volunteering or signing up for a team at church or whatever it is. And then shortly after that, we did these small group book studies. I think we were studying the, the book more. Um, and I ended up at Pat Ferguson's house. Pat Ferguson is one of the executive ministers. Oh, he's here. made his name has made its way onto yeah, our podcast. Yeah, he's probably on, on every podcast, somewhat <laughs> shape or form. <laughs> he's been on. A I few. think he orchestrates that. <laughs> he wants to be famous. Um, but yeah. I ended up at his house for a small group, and um, I just he he one day asked me, "Hey, you come to the nine thirty service, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Would you mind just like coming ten minutes early and opening the doors?" Hmm. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known that guy was sucking me in to be a greeting team. And how many years later, I, I now lead our greeting team. <laughs> I mean, the crazy thing is, is, I mean, we had people that were like serving and doing stuff with coffee or whatever, but like they're also like making the coffee uh-huh. and not like focused on necessarily saying hi to people, which right. has also gotten like way better over the years. And and so like when I've, I, I knew of you before that because- uh, I'm 99% sure that at least with what I was doing with the creative team, like we made a video talking about your story you did. and, and I didn't know you after that. You know, and then like, next thing I know is like, Oh yeah. Amy's holding the doors. You should talk to Amy. Um, we need to put a greeting team together. And like, you had already been opening the doors and then it turns into something else. Right. Yeah. And, and y- sure did. And, and, yeah. You've been leading the greeting team. Uh, that Anyways, was a voluntold situation. <laughs> Let's just be clear. <laughs> I never signed up for that. That was a voluntold. But <laughs> what I like about this story, though, is that you had been coming by yourself, and you're like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna get connected here, I've got to do, I've got to put myself out there yeah. and do something with it. I cannot just rely on them to give me something I've got to do. So you took a step. And again, anybody who's listening and they're like, as the church you're at, you're like, I don't feel connected. Well, you probably have to go and put yourself out there. It's, it's, it's hard. It can be nerve wracking, Yeah. Yeah. but in order to get something out of it, you have to give to it and become involved with it. Well, even in the most practical sense, and, and kind of, this is a little bit minute, but you have to give of yourself in the sense that you have to willing to put yourself out there and go ask somebody something and say, how do I do this? Mm -hmm. How do I get involved? Whether it's a small group or whether it's volunteering and serving somehow like, and, and people want to be able to do that. But the larger your church is sometimes the harder it is where you're like, there's a bunch of people flowing in and out just like Amy for like a year. And it's like, Listen, I'm a pastor, Tom, so are you. I am not going to go run someone down and tackle them <laughs> just because I don't know them and I don't know their name yet, but we're looking for that. It would make it more interesting. It would be yes. Sunday. tackling pastor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Amy's going to bail me out next Sunday. Okay. So everybody listening to this, Amy's going to be coming uh, to help me out because I got arrested for assault. So... Um, but you were like, let me put myself out there. Yeah. You started doing that. You've also, God has gifted you in so many ways that, you know, not only are you extroverted, not only are you a graphic designer, not only are you willing to give literally part of your body to someone else, <laughs> but you also have leadership gifts 
where you're helping kind of take what is the vision and the mission of new life and putting that into like a real, like there are faces to that with our greeting team. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times people have said like, I just feel really welcomed here, you know? And I know that's not everybody. There's some people that they're like, okay, cool. Somebody said hi to me. That's nice. Too many people talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let let me now go into (laughs) the building. We don't want to accost people. Um, And and so I just want to encourage you with that, Amy, because it, it really has been a blessing to new life. But even if it's not volunteering, you got to put yourself out there a little bit to be like, I need to be involved in some sort of community because I'm convinced the more and more that I, you know, get to know my neighbors and people that are in my small group who don't even go to a church or whatever, they're looking for community. Mm -hmm. And so were you, you were Mm -hmm. looking for answers. You were looking for truth, but you were also looking for community, even if you didn't know it at the time. And then you put yourself out there and you're like, Oh, maybe I should go check out this small group thing. What is that? You know, um, Amy, as we start to wrap up here, how would you encourage someone looking for that truth? Let's say, so a non-believer, maybe they're not really, maybe somehow they're listening to this or somebody who is a believer is listening to this and somehow they resonate with your story and they're like, I have a friend who's in this exact, how would you encourage that person who's not a believer? And then second to that, now you're kind of on the other side of things, even though we all know it's a journey, our faith is a journey. Um, How would you encourage the believer you know, with their three chair story or just like what comes to mind when you think of those two things? Well, I think my story is a testament for um, recognizing that number one, you know, whether you're a believer in God or not, whether you believe that Jesus is the son of God or not, um, wherever you stand in those areas, um, truth is truth. Um, The truth is not personal. It's not relative. It's not all these things that the world wants us to believe it is. The truth is the truth. And if you search for the truth, not really belief, you're going to, you're going to stumble onto your belief quicker than you thought you would. And, And I look at it this way, God, as well as the church prepares a table. You know, the church prepares a table every Sunday. God has his table always prepared. It's up to us to show up. And so if you just show up, sometimes the hardest thing is just showing up, whether it's showing up to church or, you know, if you know you need community or you know you need to start serving, but you just feel overwhelmed or you don't want to commit or whatever it is that's stopping you, just show up, have no expectations whatsoever and say, God, reveal to me what it is you want me to know. And that's it. Don't, don't try to micromanage it or anything. Just show up. And God does such amazing things with that. When I started asking questions, when I arrived at New Life and realized, hey, this is a safe place to ask questions, my faith just multiplied and multiplied and multiplied because I kept finding the truth. I kept finding answers to questions I'd had for years. But I had to show up. I have to do the hard work. And it's not just gonna fall in your lap. You know, you can't just expect to walk into church and have it all be okay. It's not. Church is a bunch of broken people. We just know where to find the bread, mm. you know? So just show up. That's all I can say is just show up. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's so encouraging. And I want to encourage you to, if you're listening to this, you're like, gosh, I've got questions, probably questions that maybe Amy had, you know, and I need to ask those questions. Hey, 
Brennan and I want you to know that you can ask those questions to us. Absolutely. I mean, we would love, again, we are pastors, we are ministers, but we, we've had questions before too. Um, and so we want to be able to help process that with you. So if you've got a question, you can email us thirdchair at newlife.church. And even if you have a question for Amy, email us and we'll get it to Amy and we can get that connection going because we want this to be a place where you can ask questions. We don't have it all figured out, but like what Amy just said, if you just show up, if you show up and you're earnestly asking questions, we really believe God answers those questions and God will show us the way to go. So we want to encourage you to do that. Yeah, again, just to be clear, Tom and I, we don't have all the answers. <laughs> not all okay. of them. No, not, we got some. We got a few. Okay, but um, we would be more than willing to help you with that. Hey, everybody, thank you once again for listening to another episode of The Third Chair. We'll see you next time.